You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, good morning, good evening, good day. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, just know that we're grateful that you're listening and we appreciate you. So thank you. High five yourself. <laughs> High five. Anyway, there's a, uh, you know, we got to be grateful for the things that we've got. And uh, this is one of those things that we've still got and we still enjoy doing it. And that is to help you. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, it is a pleasure and an honor to sit in this chair every day next to you. And uh, hopefully with a couple of people watching, if not a few more than that, but definitely, definitely excited to uh, get into this particular show because I think there are so many people, because one of the things that we hear a lot, Paul, because I keep saying because, and I have no idea why. Anyways, a lot of the questions that we get into drone, you have to do with what drone should I buy? And oftentimes what they say is I want to do a little this, 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 and, and potentially get into mapping mm-hmm. almost always what they say now. Right. And so getting into this show is going to be fun because we can help people have a little bit better understanding of some things that they can do without really, and I, I don't know if you're going to like the way I put this, so correct it if, if you don't, but without getting into the nitty gritty detail technicalities of scale constraints and all that kind of thing, which it, it's better if you do, right? Obviously, sure. but there's a lot of things that you can do just through orthomosaics and um 3D modeling and so forth that uh, I think a lot of people can benefit. So excited to do the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for being here. I think this is a great one too. You know, if you're one of those people out there and you've got the equipment for mapping, but maybe you don't have the equipment for ground control points, for ground truthing, maybe you've heard horror stories uh, and you don't want to get into that and you're wondering, is it really necessary? And I would say there's actually something we learned just this last week. That was shocking to me, uh, to say the least. And when I told Rob, uh, he was, I think he was a little stunned himself. And just to kind of tease what we're talking about here, um, one of our DroneU instructors, Kevin, is working for a very large company right now. In fact, you probably bought something from this company in the last week. And uh, they're not using GCPs. And um, it was a fascinating conversation last week, uh, seeing how much drone mapping that they're doing for these construction sites. And nothing is is ground controlled. And it's because they don't care. They're not using it for that. Uh, And that really uh, made me think uh, about how drone data is used and and, uh, accuracy just kind of in general. Because it's just funny to see such like legitimate construction people like, yeah, we're not using it for any of those things that, you know, certain people worry about regulatory wise as far as like measurements and whatnot. They're like, we just don't use it for that stuff because we've got better ways to, to do stuff to like do that. that. That's that's very interesting. We mm-hmm. should dig into that. We should dig into that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get into today's question, which is brought to you by, we've got another drone mapping boot camp kind of coming up here in November. And PJ has been teaching, uh, he taught the last class, he did a fantastic job, he's teaching the next class. He and Matt doing it together, yeah. 
That's right. Um, but we're going to try something new. And I'm looking, um, really looking for a response here because we're going to try something new to see if it works for all of you. And if it doesn't, then we're not going to do it. Um, but if it does, then we'll keep it rolling. But essentially what we're going to do is offer the drone mapping bootcamp with deliverables, with acquisition, all of that, but broken down into two hour segments. And what we're talking about doing is kind of like a traditional university style class where it's after afternoons, Tuesday, Thursdays, like I forget what time we nailed down. I want to say it's like four to six or something. But Four to six mountain is what we nailed, nailed down. Yeah. So this allows everyone who is maybe working on a big project or drones are their side hustle, or maybe drones are their full-time job, but they're just like slammed and they're busy and they want to get into this. This kind of offers a way for you to dip your toes into the water and take it slow. And uh, I'm wondering actually what effect that this style of teaching will have on retention because we worked so hard on ensuring that our classes have really good analogies, have really good examples, really good practice data. Um, because the more practice you get, the more that you retain things. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, in fact, I have even been, you know, working on getting more and new assets for these classes to do some like overtime deliverables. Um, and actually, thanks to, again, Kevin, we're going to be able to do that. So I think the thing that we're actually about to talk about is going to be built into this newer mapping class, just because once again, as many of you know, this mapping drones tech industry moves at lightning speed, okay? Moves at lightning speed. That doesn't mean that you're going to get left behind. As long as you're willing to learn, you won't get left behind, uh, no matter what. So. Well, I think the key there is to build a really solid foundation, right? Yeah. Because then you can build upon that. And uh, that's something that we try to help people do. Which totally. Is pretty cool. Hey, guys. Mark Hudson from Stewart, Florida, a new member of DroneU online. And I had a question about mapping. I'm looking to start a business here within the next month or so. Uh, I had a question about scale constraints and deliverables. What products would I consider offering uh, deliverables for not using a scale constraint? What would it offer to use a scale constraint? And then part two of the question would be in regards to GCPs, I understand that provides a survey grade uh, product and accuracy in the deliverable. How could I market that and when would I want to use that and offer that to my customer without getting into any hot water as uh, not being a licensed surveyor or would I want to reach out and try to partner with the surveyor to do that type of work? Thanks a lot and appreciate all that you guys do. Thank you very much, Mark. Really do appreciate the question. Appreciate you taking the time to send in a thoughtful question. And if you have a question like Mark does, which we know a lot of you do, go to askdroneu.com. We would love to hear from each and every one of you. And don't ever forget that if there's something on your mind, it is on many other people's minds as well. So you're doing everybody a favor when you hop on there and ask your question. But uh, let's jump into this. We were talking before the show, and there are actually quite a few opportunities out there within the realm of what Mark is asking about. There are. In fact, uh, we went outside and kind of tried to go over all the different options because there's actually quite a bit. Um, but in an effort to kind of go over what we teed up before uh, the question and promoting our own mapping classes, um, the job that we were talking about, one of our drone U instructors, uh, Kevin, he works here in New Mexico. He has been mapping for the new Amazon distribution centers, mm -hmm. which is a great job. Uh, he does not have that 
at Amazon as a client. He's working for a, what would you call that? A uh, job aggregator. Is that what it is? I don't even know if that's really what they do, but I think it's easy to clarify and say that because they are having other people fly their missions for them. So I think that that's, I think that that's an, uh, an appropriate way to put it. That being said, uh, Kevin, who has been doing these jobs, and I know other people, because remember, PJ had the contract for a while. He was doing the Amazon distribution center up in Wisconsin. He was doing that through... Was was he doing it through the same organization? Just out of curiosity. I, I don't, remember I don't know, actually. Yeah, that's probably a not solid, important. I think the answer is actually no, mm. but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. The important part is while Kevin has been doing these mapping missions, he's been doing single grids, Nader, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, nothing really 3D. But when I went out to Amazon to go check out what he was doing, go meet the project team, go see, you know, try to uh, film some stuff that we put into the props program, which came out great. Um, I realized I said, hey, you're not even throwing out GCPs. He's like, yep, no one cares. And I was like, <laughs> and I like, my first inclination was, okay, here's, here's just another drone person that just doesn't understand the importance of ground truthing. That was my first inclination, which yeah. is wrong or inadequate. Yeah. I mean, because you've got to imagine the people that are involved in this project, they're smart people, right? Yes. And it doesn't mean they've necessarily been exposed to everything that's possible, but you would sure expect somebody that's working at that level of construction project would have some exposure to what's possible. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so when we went into the project manager's office uh, and we saw all of these ortho mosaics that had been produced from these single grid missions from Kevin, and then it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like some of the maps were corrected so that the maps were facing the right direction, essentially with, you know, north being the top of the map, et cetera, and some weren't. And uh, when I asked Kevin, I'm like, they don't care about GCPs? And he's like, no, this is purely for Overlook, Overwatch. They just want to see essentially a project time lapse every single week of where everything is in real time. No measurements, nothing. It is just a visual representation and that's everything that they want and more. Hmm. And I was like, what? Really? Like, that's all they want? Yeah, especially emphasis on and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I, mean, I know. It's just like, wow. Because there's so much more. True. And I mean, that same day we made a 3D model of the site because I just thought it would be a great example of another super complicated site to create a 3D model of. And uh, that has uh, raised some interest. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, we've always talked about construction. We've always talked about the need for GCPs. And that's been the assumption that if you're in construction, that you're taking measurements from these maps, right? Because if you're doing that or if you or the survey or whatever is doing that, well, then the quality of the map has to be quite high. Yeah. You know, but it seems like here we go with another, uh, this is why I love capitalism, free market correction, as I would call it, <laughs> is the construction companies are like, regulators say that we have to do what to do simple measurements on those maps. Okay, then we just won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, huh. And like, that was really surprising to me where someone just said, okay, left turn, then we're not going to do it. We're still going to get what we need. And when we need to go take measurements, we'll walk out there and take measurements. And Which is a... That's not a small thing to no. walk out there at that site. No. That's really interesting. I, I still, I cannot help, Paul, but wonder if it's really been, with all due respect, in spite of what I just said a couple minutes ago, if it's really been explained to them 
what the possibilities are and how to achieve those sorts of deliverables and the and the value and benefits to those. I think the easy assumption is no, but we don't know, right? No, 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 we don't know. Um, that's why I'm si- simply curious. But uh, anyways, we'll, we'll, learn. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say we're going to learn more because yeah. now we're saying, hey, check out this 3D model, you know, which again has no... GCPs, no scale constraints. Well, and I have to say, I think most of you, if not all of you, would agree. When you see a 3D model, I think one of the, depending on your perspective or, or your sort of the, the viewpoint you have looking at it, one of the natural questions is, can I measure? Right? <laughs> that seems to be one of the natural questions that comes up when you see something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, but, but back to this gentleman's question and, yeah, and so what you can do. Yeah, so let's go over these other uh, examples really fast because we talked about construction, let's talk about film. Before we move into film, one thing I'd like to clarify, I mentioned uh, Kevin doing his maps and he had no GCPs. I also meant to say no scale constraints. Um, I know I see those two as synonymous and I shouldn't because they're not the same at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to make it clear that like he had no GCPs and no scale constraints. And also the example, the 3D model did not have scale constraints either. But going into film, right, what is some drone mapping or modeling? This is really modeling that you can do without scale constraints and GCPs. Another one that we talked about was location scouting, Yeah, you know, and how you can have these 3D models of all these different film sets and sites and sell them to new productions when they're looking uh, of planning their productions, et cetera. That's another thing that you can do. Um, Let's keep going down this rabbit hole, Rob. I know we talked about, what, five or six different things that we could do. Yeah, I'm I'm looking this up because I can't think of the appropriate word or phrase, but but using drones to capture historical buildings and so forth. Let's just call it historical preservation. There you go. You know? Yeah. That's another fantastic job that does not need scale constraints and does not need GCPs because you're creating a visual representation, a 3D model of a building to preserve that building. I mean, haven't we already seen the power in this mm-hmm. when we saw what happened with Notre Dame? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's a that's a huge important uh, factor. Let's go back. So uh, historical preservation, we've talked about construction, um, we've talked about film. Um, another thing that we're seeing um, is just really remote planning. And so we're creating 3D models of these larger areas just for COVID safe regulations. Now, who knows how long that's going to be around, but we do have drone use students who are right now creating 3D models of schools mm-hmm. for planning uh, for COVID and coronavirus. So that's another thing you don't need GCPs or scale constraints uh, for. Um, let's see here. Wow. Uh, remote workflow. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about th- so many things. Um, what's funny is like the true propensity for how many ways 3D models can be used to augment existing businesses. I think that the sheer number of uses is limitless. It's all about how much creativity you have in being able to take a 3D model and use it as a means of visual communication. Mm-hmm. You know, annotations, mm-hmm. instructions. Um, I'm seeing uh, more and more ranchers getting really interested in getting 3D models of some of their production facilities so that they can instruct new employees and train people of essentially where their workflows are going to take place. That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. And and ranches are obviously and literally all over the country. 
yeah. and world for that matter. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, I think we kind of hit the nail on the head though. I mean, I will say one of the things about 3D modeling, I prefer 3D modeling because it doesn't have GCPs, but I still do throw down and I use now the mini landing pads when I'm wanting to create MTPs or manual tie points. Those are used for us to merge multiple flight acquisition paths together. They can also be used to align data together. Don't forget there's a difference between merging data sets, which are projects, and aligning a data set, which is a singular project for those of you to try to clarify. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will just say like, you know, this is one of the things that I've really prided myself on is the ability to create models in complex environments other people can't even taught for PIX4D. I mean, you know, so uh, one of the things that I've really wanted to do is have just a 3D modeling class to go over these things. But I will say, if you're considering going to the drone mapping class, whether it's the new one that's on the site, which is afternoons, or you're like me, you just want to dive in and do the three days. In those classes, we do go over these advanced acquisition strategies to reconstruct complex areas. Yeah, so for sure. And so you mentioned the 3D modeling class, and, and we I don't think we did bring up some of the, for example, resort-style 3D models that we could do where you're actually going example. into the interior as well. And you're merging interior and exterior, and you're helping people sell event centers, you're helping people sell vendors for those event centers you're helping sell and plan space again um yeah it's just it's unbelievable uh how much you can do with it i'm like humbled sitting here i'm like gosh the more i think of the more i get overwhelmed with the amount of sheer things you can do with this so but i mean obviously look there is power in digitizing our environment there is data in digitizing our environment another fantastic example which i can't believe i almost skipped over is insurance Mm. Literally, if you're creating a 3D model of your home, now you have a visual spreadsheet of everything that's literally around and in your house. And if you're in a flood zone, if you're in one of those areas, you've got to think about our insurance uh, providers thinking about getting 3D models of all the buildings that they insure to understand their real value. And then when a storm comes through and they have a new 3D model, you can literally do a cut and fill on the amount of debris that needs to be cleared out. In fact, that's mm-hmm. another, that's a perfect example of another thing that we could do. You know, uh, we know FEMA was trying to figure out a faster way to measure debris and do it more accurately. And uh, we remember one of their teammates came up to the NTSB training when we did that first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, but for that one, would you need GCPs? And- for the measuring, yeah, yeah. But I'm if you, you know, if you negate the measuring, the volumetric measuring, and you go into just the model of the home, I think that you're going to see that, uh, again, insurance is going to see value in that. I mean, at what point are we going to just see 3D models created? Like, at what point are drones in cars? And then when you have a car accident, the drone pops up and literally maps the whole environment. I think of it, it's like a, it's like your new well, world dash cam. It's, it's not that much of a, a stretch beyond in fact it's not at all what uh, amazon's doing in homes right with the little with the little that drone is scary beyond uh, yes <laughs> without but but what you just described is essentially the same thing yeah just built into a car somehow yeah 
Yeah, actually, uh, quick, quick switch track on the whole Amazon ring camera flying inside of your house. I heard a podcast the other day that was going over all of the websites that sell your data from you talking inside of your home. And a lot of people were always like, Paul, you're crazy. Those things are not listening to us. And oh, I'm whatever. like, you're crazy for giving a company the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah. But but again, as we've also said before, it, they're listening via your phone anyway, right? Yeah. But typically that's only through apps. And now with iOS 14, you can actually shut that down, which I'm just so grateful for Apple. It's like, finally, I can control this. Hmm. So yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm switching. Um, that being said, I mean, think about it, right? This mm. is, while I have an issue with privacy and, and things being recorded, this also provides an opportunity for drone you. If you think about it now, I can advertise for everyone who's talked about drone training inside of their house. And I'm telling you this in partly because, yeah, I'm going to start advertising this way, but I'm also telling you to scare you because you need to be real about what's in your house, what's recording, what is privacy, what rights do you have? And and you're allowing a device to take advantage of your privacy. And we don't even have regulators smart enough to realize the importance of digital rights right now. So, you know, let me, you know, use my pulpit here to say, guys, <laughs> don't use the, any electronic device in your home that's constantly listening. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, so that said, many people will. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so <laughs> we texted about this the yeah, other day. We sure did. About starting, you know, like a daily drone tip <laughs> on Alexa or so. <laughs> Hey, Alexa, what's the drone tip for today? Rule number two of takeoff is uh, the drone and the pilot have the same no, orientation. You could do such fun things with it. And I, like, no, I'm, I the, refuse. The coolest thing, go fly this in your neighborhood today. I don't know. I mean, it's it's really endless. But we have a, a philosophical um, objection. Well, it's, it's instant gratification, right? You're giving someone instant gratification while empowering them to take away their rights. It's like Facebook. That's why I'm like, mm, um, no, thank you. At some point, you it got, is a dilemma. It's a dilemma. Um, it is a social dilemma. And if you haven't you watched that on Netflix, you need <laughs> to. <laughs> and no, we were not paid to advertise that movie. No, no, uh, we were not, unfortunately. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, hopefully we gave you some great examples of how you can use 3D modeling without GCPs or scale constraints to sell those models as visual representations because, frankly, there is a lot of use for that. And I would just say there are also some uses to clarify. Accident reconstruction is not one of those uses. Oh, guys, it's like the antithesis of. I know, but we said, you know, at what time will a drone pop out of a car and map your accident? Oh, gotcha. But to clarify, yeah. definitely need GCPs for that, okay? Legal decisions are being made. And, uh, yeah, I would recommend that anyone who's gone to one of our drone mapping classes, if you haven't gone to it for three or four times and you're not a licensed surveyor or you're not a licensed law enforcement officer, you should not ever be doing accident reconstruction. It's not cool. It's not cute. You're building your ego. Everyone sees through it. You're going to affect someone's life. And chances are you may do so negatively or positively, and it could haunt you for all of your years. And I would just ask everyone, stick to the cool stuff. Leave the accident reconstruction for law enforcement. There's a reason they're given special rights to do certain things. Here Sorry, I had to say that because I yeah, yeah. I saw someone on Facebook telling 
other people, not in our group, telling people that they were doing accident reconstruction. And my heart sank faster than any other time in life. And uh, Well, maybe they are equipped to do so. Yeah, maybe they are. On that bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. <laughs> my name's Rob. This is Ask Cadronio. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.